Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you guys get down with any of the hot sauce from the hot ones? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not big on. He's not. So, he doesn't do sauces yeah. at all. I'm not oh, big. Really? On, yeah, I'm not big on. He doesn't do ketchup or any of that stuff. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm desperate to go. On that yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I can't do it. Uh, yeah, and word to the way, it does get a little warm in here over okay. time. Just, to, just so you're aware. All right. But, uh, it's good now, but it's gonna get hot. <laughs> it's gonna get hotter. All right. No, no last dabs needed. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jesus and Mero always say nothing but illustrious guests. I don't want to steal their thunder, but I feel like we should because this is by far the most top tier guest we've had on the pod so far so far um you'll probably know him best as frodo from lord of the rings but just looking at his imdb that's like a small part of what he's been doing since he's a child um he's in this week to talk about his new film come to daddy uh producer actor dj charitable man fun-loving guy lover of winter <laughs> Elijah Wood, thank you for stopping by. Watch Lover less. Of winter. That's the best one. Great intro. I, I you it's know, a great intro. Had, thank had, you. Had the wing. Thank you for coming by. Thanks I really for appreciate me. it. Um, come to daddy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Interesting. I have been at a lot of late night Alamo screenings. I. Um, oh, that's great. So you I frequent it, the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, and I caught a late night of Mandy. Oh shit. So I know what that audience can get like, but this might have been like the wildest audience to date. <laughs> really? Just in terms of like, dude, they were laughing at the barbecue fork scene. That was, oh, that's great. <laughs> okay. I'm texting him like he mentions okay. it before right. I watch so it. You know you're in a good audience for yeah. that particular movie if they're laughing during that scene. You got to see it in like the right setting yeah, with the right people, and they sure. were all for. Oh, that's great. Is that, was that a lot of alcohol going on in there? I, I mean, the waiters were out. I don't know. <laughs> but it's yeah, a midnight crowd brings yeah. a certain vibe, and mm-hmm. the, the expectations are, are are for a certain kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's awesome. And this movie is a certain kind of movie. And, um, yeah. you know, talk a little bit about what you look for when you pick projects like this. Like, this is very niche, speaking to a specific audience, but... It is, and it, I mean, yeah, is it? I guess it is sort of niche. I mean, it goes to these very intense genre places, mm-hmm. but I think the core of the movie, even though it has fun with its premise, and it's funny and a bit bizarre, the core of the movie is about a guy trying to reconnect with his father. Right, yeah. <laughs> And and it, and I and I do think that, that that there is an emotional through line that ultimately resolves at the end of the movie that that sort of sticks that landing in regards to what it's really about, and then there's all these other elements and these sort of sharp turns that the movies take that the movie takes. But um, I, look, I think when I'm looking for things, I just look for things to connect with mm-hmm. um, a, as an actor. And this was one of those scripts that I read that I was undeniable. It was just. It was it was constantly surprising, constantly mm-hmm. subverting my expectations. I found it really funny, really fun. But then there was also, at the, again, like I said, at the core, there was this story of this guy who 
felt like he'd been abandoned by his father and just wanted to kind of connect. And then, you know, the that that initial meeting goes places that he doesn't expect. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, it was written by a guy called Toby Harvard who wrote this film called The Greasy Strangler that I was involved in producing. Um, the guy, a guy called Jim Hosking directed it. And I produced it with Aunt Dimson, okay. amongst others. And Aunt directed this film. It was his, um, fr- it was his first feature. His right? first feature, yeah. Mm-hmm. He did shorts a lot when he was younger, um, and then moved into producing. And he's produced a lot of films. And so I was already kind of endeared to wanting to be a part of the projects. I love Aunt, and I love Toby. And it was reading the script and loving that mm-hmm. that kind of coalesced to to sort of it was the combined elements. I think. So, it, so it wasn't more. It wasn't one thing or the other. It was definitely just this crazy ride that we go on. Yeah, and, and you know, an opportunity to play a character unlike I've played before, and, um, yeah, it was just this sort of confluence of elements. And I think as an actor, I'm, I, I'm looking for those things. It's, it's never, uh, I'm not ever looking for a specific kind of role. It's a sort of, like, I'll know it or feel it when I see it or read it. Mm-hmm. And I'm equally drawn to filmmakers, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a relatively organic process, the, the sort of finding things that I connect with, you know. <laughs> Now, you've been in the business for decades, as Kyle mentioned. Are you finding it harder these days to find more roles often that speak to you? Roles or scripts? Not necessarily. I feel like, um, I mean, certainly with genre films and really interesting independent cinema, we're in a pretty great golden age Mm -hmm. right now. Um, It feels like there are really exciting filmmakers internationally and in the United States I mean, I see films at Fantastic Fest every year that are mind-blowing by new voices and old voices alike. So it feels like a pretty exciting time in cinema. I mean, the studios aren't necessarily making those movies. Yeah. Um, but that's all right. It's been, the mantle's been picked up by places like A24 and even Netflix to a certain degree. Sure. I feel like there's so many different ways to get movies made now, and a lot of really exciting ideas are being financed. They're just not necessarily running wide, yeah. um, and they're not necessarily being made by big studios. Mm-hmm. Um, but really exciting voices are emerging, and I and I yeah. So it doesn't feel like it's any more challenging than it's ever been. Okay. Um, if anything, I feel like. There are more opportunities for slightly off-center voices and, and new perspectives than they've ever been in a way. That's what it feels like. Now you mentioned this role um, being different than ones you've taken on before. We have to talk about the way this lampoons the music industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down to the haircut. Yeah. <laughs> what is that haircut? I was like, well, all right, you. We're, I'm not going to reveal anything because this is sure. literally like the first minute of the film. But you've got that big ass hat on <laughs> yep. that blows off the, yeah. the hair. I'm like, is he Amish? Like, what is what is going? And it's a, it's obviously not that, but that was the vibe I'm getting. Sure. Do you you know you you live in L. A. Was, are these guys you see walking down the street with their limited iPhones and everything? Not necessarily, but you know iPhones. that exists. <laughs> you know that exists. Uh, and I have actually since seen people in the wild with that haircut, by the way. <laughs> I know. For real. Um, so look, I, you know, obviously the, the character is a bit of a caricature. It was written that way. There's a, it, you know, it's meant to be really funny. And yeah. it's meant to be a little extreme and kind of a douche. Mm-hmm. Especially because he's kind of put through the ringer in the film and ends up a very different person by the end. Yeah. Right. And so I think the, the the important thing was that the moment you meet him, that there's a really stark contrast to the world that he's in, that that he's a sort of a, a that he sticks out like a sore thumb. He's a stranger in a strange land, and a real contrast to the, his father who opens the door. Mm. And then from there, there's a sort of stripping away of those layers, but. 
Ant had some had crazier ideas, yeah. um, and there were a lot of you know emails and and you know photos shared of various references to like you know, European and Japanese fashion, and then like music fashion and. Um, Far more extreme ideas than we ultimately went with. Really? And my thing was just, I wanted this. I wanted. To, I wanted to achieve the same thing, which was that he would stand out. But I also wanted it to be believable. Yeah. Like I wanted you to kind of go, okay, I, I, I believe that that person exists in the world. I've you seen know? this guy. I've you know met what that I mean? guy yeah. before. Yeah. Exactly. So it was just about finding that balance, and it was a real collaboration, just trying to figure that out with our wardrobe team, um, and then hair and makeup as well, just trying to figure out like how extreme do we want the hair to go? <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, then we just found that haircut, and it felt pretty organic. Yeah. Um, I think at the, the, at the live stream you mentioned Skrillex being a... Skrillex was the very first image he sent me. So he sent wow. me the script. He was like, have a look at this. And I'm thinking this is what Norval looks like. And it was Skrillex. And Skrillex doesn't really have, have a super extreme look. Yeah. No, yeah. But that was the reference. And I was like, okay, I think I know where you're going with this. Um, and it just got more and more extreme from there. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we found a happy medium. It was fun. And it's fun to get to transform like that. Mm. Um, I don't look like that in life. So no, yeah. it was, I was wondering it was, what, what you were going to come in with, what type of hair you were going to come in with. Right. <laughs> just in character. Yeah. Just, <laughs> this is my hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cut it short most of the time. But um, yeah, when we were finished shooting, it was like five days, four days later, I was like, nah, this has got to go. Yeah, no, I couldn't do it. I <laughs> but I kept the mustache for like a month after. Ah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I mean, aside from the, the, the hair, the other thing that really st- stuck out to me in the film was that house. Mm-hmm. You know, I read that you guys were, you know, were actually looking for the right house. How long did it take you to find that particular property, and what was it about that property? It took. I mean, they did a couple of scouts. Um, we shot the movie on um, Vancouver Island in BC, um, in a small surfing town called Tofino. But it's a really big island, so they canvassed the entire island looking for locations that would fit. And they had a lot of different contenders, and they saw on that first scout they found that house, and it was pretty instantaneous. Like. Wow. This just feels right. It's it's on this rocky outcrop. It feels really isolated. It really was what it was described to be in the script. And we got it, but then our shooting time changed, and we ended up pushing the shoot. We were going to shoot in January, and we ended up having to push to summer. Oh, wow. And we were like, fuck, we might lose the house. Yeah. And they were accommodating and let us keep the house and they were fine with us moving the dates. So do you actually know Elton John and or Kendrick Lamar or Chance the Rapper? In life, no. I don't. Um, I've not met any of them. But yeah, all that stuff is really funny. The I mean, Elton there is John that, scene is great. That, yeah, there yeah. is that one scene and that scene is like, it's sort of the the... It's the best scene to sort of describe who Norval is in that moment or who he thinks he is. And it's also a really awkward scene of someone just trying desperately to impress someone who can't be impressed. Yeah. Um, and then it blowing up in his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun to shoot. And a, and a real, like, one of the, the, the rare opportunities to sort of express that sort of side of Norval. Mm. You know, the whole, like, blazing beats and <laughs> tinkling the ivories and, oh, man. It's so embarrassing. That's funny, though. Yeah. It's and it, the, I mean, there's a real, you, you get the impression that there's a real superficiality to him. You mm. know, the, 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 the iPhone that there's only 20 in the world, yeah. that's gold that Lord, Lord. designed. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. So but, there's definitely an intention there of, like, just making fun of the artifice of that shit, you mm. know? The, the film goes into some dark places. But, <laughs> yeah, but, it does. But, what, to say the least. What would you say was, I mean, because I know, I know making these films can be a lot of fun. What was the most fun scene to actually shoot and work work within? 
The Elton John scene was really fun, mm. um, just because it, it's such a, a verbal sparring scene. It's it's two people who are trying to get the better of the, of the other, and, yeah. and working with Steven on that was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, what else? I mean, the there's a, a pretty intense fight scene in the movie mm. that wasn't exactly the most fun, but it was... It was wild to shoot. We shot it over two days. It took a while. Oh wow! Um, those things are pretty technical and a little taxing, but mm. it was it was super gratifying because we knew we were making something kind of gnarly. Yeah, yeah. Um, gnarly's gnarly's a good way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, and probably the what the hardest thing to shoot would be the swimming scene. Oh really? Because we shot in the summer, but the water is freezing mm. in BC. Mm. So. I mean, that water was below 70 degrees. Shit. Jesus. It's really cold. <laughs> um, and, like, having to be in that water for any period of time was was kind of intense. And they actually ended up filling a bathtub with hot water off of, off like, on the beach. Mm-hmm. So I could, like, jump in that, sit in the hot water for a minute, and then jump back. back. And it was, oh, it was intense, That's dude. a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was intense. Suffering for the art. Um, That's fun, though. How intense is Stephen McHattie in a real life? Uh, he is intense. <laughs> I was, yeah, he, I was he, trying he to is think actually of... in, intimidating, and I don't. And I that's not a disparaging thing. He's a super sweet guy, and <laughs> and um, you know, a dedicated, awesome actor. But he is a man of few words, <laughs> and uh, doesn't mind silence. You know, the, the, those sort of people that like there. There are two kinds of people. I think the people that like need to fill the silence because it's a little awkward if, if two people are just standing there. And there are people that are absolutely fine with that silence. And, like, he is sort of one of those people. So, it, it, yeah, it could get a little awkward. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that and then on top of it, he he really imbued that character with even more intensity and and cre- it really helped to create that dynamic. So for me as an actor working op- opposite him was a joy because – that di- that dynamic was an easy thing to play because he was giving me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a particular scene in the movie where there's a sort of violent explosion from him, and it was awesome and kind of intense and a little terrifying, and, yeah. and it didn't require a great deal from me um, <laughs> because it was it was so real in the moment. It was great. He's like one of our like greatest character actors, but the, I spent the whole movie trying to remember which spe- specific movie. I was thinking of, and we just hit it, uh, History of Violence. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, right. The coffee shop. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that brought me back to I had forgotten so, that. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It's an interesting film because it doesn't play initially like what it becomes. Sure. And I know... It I'm, almost plays like a drama uh, No, I, I, was, I was not ready, yeah. you know, when, when it, yeah, when it yeah, you yeah. Know, really gets into it. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it, we, we talk about, you know, horror elements and things like that. And looking over what you've done as a producer... I, I I don't know why I hadn't thought about it initially. I'm like, damn, he's really you know got his feet wet in this horror horror game. Yeah. Um. And I saw that you were talking about you know maybe wanting to revitalize Nightmare on Elm Street, things like that. But mm-hmm. before we get into that, where did your love of horror start? Like, how how old were you when you really started getting? Young. In? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty young. I have a uh, my brother's seven years older than me, so mm-hmm. I had the benefit of an older brother that was renting. Movies with his friends, and invariably they would be horror movies because that's what you do when you can. Yeah, and yeah. you know he was er- early teens, I guess, um, and that's what they would rent. And he would allow me to see these movies and just be like, "Don't tell mom." So, <laughs> I mean, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street three when I was like Ooh. six or seven. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and there's a, a one of my still one of my favorite horror movies of all time is a direct to VHS movie called Truth or Dare: A Critical Madness. Oh wow, it's so good. No, I'm gonna have to look for that. It's one. it's it's good, and and it's got poor performances, and it's just one of those one of those greats. And I've talked about it a lot over mm. the years. It's awesome. So yeah, I was exposed to these things pretty early. Um, and then there was a gap, you know, like I was seeing that stuff with my brother, and then it was hard to get my hands on it at a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in my early teens, I started watching those movies again and, and delving further into it. And, you know, initially there's there's that thing as a kid where it's just the forbidden fruit. It's like what you're not supposed to see, so you just want to see all of that. 100%. And you want to see, like, the gnarliest stuff. And the older you get, the more you realize that there's some real art there, and you, you start to be exposed to things like... You know, Dario Argento's Suspiria mm-hmm. and, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing and, and the, the sort of like broader scope of what is possible with horror. Um, Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. and The Exorcist, all these incredible films from the 1970s. Don't look now. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, the, the older I got, the more passionate I became about horror films. And then the sort of shift into producing them. It really happened organically. I, I wanted to produce films. I, I've been working as an actor since I was really young, and, and I've always just loved the entire process and, and wanted for a long time to be a part of the process from the other side of the camera just to help facilitate filmmakers and films that I wanted to see get made. And I, I, I met my producing partners on another film that, that one was writing and the other one was going to direct that was like a road comedy, a completely different kind of movie. <laughs> Never got made, but we became quick friends over the course of, of preparing for this film. And we realized that we had a shared mutual love of genre and horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, like 10 years ago, there wasn't a consistent place for these kinds of films to get made. Mm-hmm. Blumhouse was establishing itself mm-hmm. for sure, but there wasn't like, in some of these more artful approaches, there wasn't a place. There were examples like... You know, Ty West, The House of the Devil, for instance, but it wasn't a consistent thing. And the movies that we were loving at the time were mainly coming out of Europe, like Let the Right One In, Mm -hmm. or We Are What We Are from Mexico, or The Orphanage. Mm -hmm. And we were inspired by those movies, and then further back, movies in the 70s, and further from that, like even like the Val Luton movies from the 1940s. So we're like, well, let's build a company. We don't know how to do this. We've <laughs> never started a production company before, but let's start a production company with the mandate that these are the films that we want to make. Mm-hmm. Movies that take the, their subject matter seriously, and in some ways where you could remove the genre elements and still have a compelling story. And so that's what we did, and that's how SpectreVision was born. And then we just started, you know, very quickly kind of amassing a slate of films with a, with the approach of just reaching out to other artists and saying, you know, pretty much asking the same question. Do you have a passion project in the horror genre space that no one wants to make because it's too weird? Mm-hmm. Invariably, they would say yes, and it would <laughs> more often than not be fucking awesome. That's amazing. So we were like, okay. And we just started, and, and that's how Girl Walks Home Alone at Night came about, and then we made Cooties, and then so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's great. Um, going back to, you mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which I think might have been one of... It's one of my favorites. It was one of my... Is that your that favorite? That movie's great. Is that your favorite in the franchise? Um, it might be. Yeah. It I don't might think be. I love it. New Nightmare, too. I think New Nightmare is really inventive. Uh, Elm Street 3 is when they're at the hospital. Yeah. There's, and they're running, like, the dream tests with the kids. Yeah. There's a scene with a guy with like I've his, never uh, I've never seen him fall. Oh, the veins, the, the yeah. veins, and he's like walking the like a puppet. Oh, yeah, come on. it's nasty, it, nasty. 
I recently saw it again because my girlfriend hadn't seen it, and I was like, let's watch Elm Street 3. This movie's pretty incredible. Yeah. And it had been a long time since I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. And I forgot even how incredible the effects were and how yeah. imaginative that film is. It's really beautifully made mm-hmm. and so many incredible practical effects that were really clever and bizarre and yes. imaginative. It's mm-hmm. a great film. It was, would you say, I mean, I know, again, talking... Patricia Arquette's in that film, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to go back and see some of, like... Johnny Dude, the TV with the arms that come out? Um, and literally, come on! Yeah, no, amazing. It's, All right, I gotta... We I might gotta, have to I watch this. I gotta it's do great. It's, I gotta it's do really this. kind of artful and surreal and bizarre. It's yeah. a good film. I'm, it, I'm thinking of, like, Nightmare 2 when he comes out of the pool. Nightmare uh, 2 is crazy. The scene in Nightmare 2 that I never forget is the dogs, and they have these faces that yeah. look like the baby face oh, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scared the shit out of me when I was Which one is the snake... Head. Uh, is that a new nightmare? No. Uh, it, I feel like it's four, five or okay. six. It's it's a little later. Yeah. Um. Gosh. What they can a, can bleed together. But they they really do. Yeah. No. They, yeah, seriously though, it, it's a new nightmare is so great, man. It's that movie is so clever. I mean, obviously, it came out before Scream. It was mm-hmm. super meta. The idea of a movie within a movie. Mm-hmm. And like the the characters, the actors from the original film being haunted by an act. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. That movie's rad. And I don't think you couldn't do that with any. It's almost like I don't want to. It's not a direct comparison, but it's almost like a Deadpool character where you can't. There's things you can do in a Deadpool film mm. because he is so self-referential and you know he talks about what he's doing all the time. Sure, Freddy's the only one that could really do that. It's true in, in that space. It's true. Um, is it fair to say? I'm assuming Freddy's your favorite slasher. He's not necessarily. Okay. No, I mean, I would say my favorite slasher movie of all time is still, I mean, it's probably everyone's favorite. Because I don't consider Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be a slasher movie yeah, necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a bit bigger than that, but I would say Halloween is still my favorite. Yeah. The yeah. first Halloween is just masterful, man. Re- re- rewatching that when the, the new one came yeah. out. So yeah. I, I rewatched up. the first two, and it, like there's those scenes of. In his POV, walking, it's so it's, it's, great. it's scary. As yeah, fuck. it's so great. And that score, mm-hmm. that opening sequence, the POV from the child's perspective, the reveal that it's a child. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much that that movie did so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even that gory. No, it's, it's no, more yeah. creepy and disturbing than mm-hmm. it is outright scary. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. So I don't know that it. For me, nothing nothing really compares to that. But, I mean, there's so many great slashers, you know? 100%. 100%. But then and, I guess the next question going from that then is, are we going to see you kind of do what David Gordon Green and Danny McBride did with Halloween? Was that a year or two ago? A couple yeah. years ago, and, yeah. Uh, you know, They're doing two sequels now. Revamp that. Yeah. Look, I, it's it's obviously a rights issue at this stage. I yeah. think a lot of people would love to get their hands on the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Um, it's a... Yeah, so the chances of that coming to, together, I think, are pretty slim. The rights seem a little complicated. You know, some rumors are that the estate is, holds all the rights. Oh, I, wow. I've heard otherwise mm. um, that it actually might be more complicated than that. Jeez. Don't really know. Um, we, I would love the opportunity for us to take a shot at it. I think any time that you can kind of imagine taking a franchise that you love so much and getting a chance to revitalize it is a pretty exciting notion. Mm. Um, I don't know what we would necessarily do. I think you'd almost want to take it in slightly different directions. I certainly wouldn't want to do an origin story again. I feel like <laughs> yeah. the Freddy origin's been done a few times, yeah. um, and it's relatively well-mined. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have Freddy involved, but I also think it would be good to move it in a slightly different direction and include 
other things. Mm. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's fun to think about. It's fun mm-hmm. to talk about. It seems like there's obviously people on Twitter are pretty excited about the notion of there just being something done with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think what uh, what Danny McBride and David Gordon Green did with Halloween is really interesting. I think, you know, denying the the sequels that had had existed and st- and starting as a direct sequel to the first movie is a really smart way to go. Yeah. Um, you know, it t- tends to be with multiple sequels, there's not an, there's not someone overseeing that entire process right. more often than not. So it can go in really circuitous, strange places that don't necessarily link well with canon established in the first movie or so. Um, so sometimes it is good to just avoid all that bullshit. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Start from scratch. Yeah, I, I, I mean that is Halloween. I think I the first Halloween I saw was four. Or five, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. I had never seen the first one at the yeah. time. And you when started I, with four. I was at a friend's house. They're like, it was a rainy night. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, we're gonna pop this tape in sure. or whatever. And I'm like, this is. Du- I think I fell asleep. I'm like, this is dumb. And then I go back to the first Halloween. I'm like, oh yeah. This Great. makes a lot more sense. So when the new ones come out, a lot of people love H two O too. Yeah, that might have been my first one. I saw that in theaters. That makes sense. Yeah, like I, I think I saw out. that in theaters too. Yeah, that was fun. That was, yeah, it was. It was a lot of. I mean, it, it, it's a weird mask in that one. Yeah. yeah. If you go back and I recently caught it on TV and I was like, man, that sculpt. That's is a strange. big controversy. Yeah. The mask isn't right, and they barely ever use the theme. Right. So you're like, dude, it's a Halloween <laughs> movie. You've got to use the theme. Exactly. I don't understand. Yeah. Score is weird. It was a real product of the '90s. 100%. You know, the 100%. 90s horror aesthetic was a little glossy. It was, it didn't, I don't know, something was a bit funny with the way things were shot in the 90s as far as horror is concerned. The lighting a little too bright. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the ending is so hardcore in that movie. No, yeah, yeah, it I is. Yeah, it is. It's a rad ending for sure. What, um, what's next for you as a producer? I mean, you've, there's been, a, you know, Mandy came out, like a lot of us were just hyped over that film oh sick that's awesome um, I've seen a lot of good talk about uh, Color, Color, Color Out of, out of Space yeah. that's out now yeah that, that dropped very recently yes, yeah. it, yep. there's been a lot of talk about online as well but I've not seen anything in regards to what you guys are have down the pipeline is there anything you guys are working on yeah so we just finished production on a movie called Arch Enemy um, mm-hmm. that's directed by Adam Egypt Mortimer who directed Daniel Isn't Real that came out last yes. year mm-hmm. um, so we did that with him and then jumped into his next film which is kind of a how best to describe it? It's almost like an anti-superhero movie. Okay. It's really about... It, one way to describe it is as if The Wrestler were about a, a failed superhero. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's kind of like a human drama about a guy who claims to be a superhero, and you're, there's an ambiguity to it. He, he claims to be from another planet. And the whole movie is there's this ambiguity as to whether he was or wasn't. It's really interesting and kind of very different from Daniel Isn't Real. Um, and then we're talking to Richard Stanley about doing uh, another two uh, Lovecraft adaptations. Oh, wow. So the next one would be Dunwich Horror. So we're, we're working with him on that. Um, and then we're working in the TV space, too. We've got to deal with Legendary to, to produce for television. So we've got a number of projects that we're working on with them, which is super fun. Some of them oh. animated. Oh, okay. We're really... I've been a huge fan of animation for a long time. And yeah. I think animation is, you know, more often than not relegated to, to children and families. But I really love expressing animation in ways that are for adults as well. Um, and so we've definitely got a few things that are going to be a little bit more for adults, which are really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's we've, got, we've, we've always got so much going on, which is a joy. I mean, I think, you know, starting the company 10 years ago 
and working both as an actor and as a producer concurrently, the nice thing about it is I'm always working on something. So yeah. if in my off time from working on a film as an actor or a TV show as an actor, we've always got things to work on with SpectreVision, which is great. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always a creative process happening. Or you're just doing, you're, you're voicing video game characters and things like that. Like, <laughs> There's that too. You've got, I mean, it, it's, again, it's fun. I mentioned it in the intro. It's like, you know, people will see your face, oh, Frodo, but like, that's not, and, and it's no dis disrespect to the Ring series at all, but that's a couple of films out of, you know, a vast, you know, I've, I remember seeing you. Radio Flyer, you know, right. I, I, oh, cool. I, that that type of stuff. The Good Son, again, it's one of right. my Classic. favorites. Uh, you oh, know, cool. do do you ever go back at all into your uh, into the archives? No, no, <laughs> no, not intentionally. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, if something's on television, mm -hmm. I'll like catch it and sit with it for a second. Like that's crazy, uh, but no. I mean, if anything, I was if I would watch anything intentionally now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. might be rings just because those movies are really good and there there's so many incredible memories associated with it uh and they're fun movies to watch and it's been a long time since i've seen them yeah that's a large large chunk of your life too in terms of just like the Huge. shooting and everything yeah uh eternal sunshine is a movie that i would certainly watch again and again i love that movie so much yeah, we're just there's certain movies that, that I, I i have an ob objective i love all of them but there's an objective perspective a little bit more than others um, that I just love the movie and would happily watch it but I don't really watch my food movies a after I've seen them a couple times during like press tours and stuff that's sort of that's sort of it they're, they're, they're in the can yeah, yeah now when it comes to something like Rings is that something you are done with in that phase of your life or would you ever go back to it in terms of like them doing the TV adaptation and stuff well the, it seems like the TV adaptations are going to be chronologically really really early mm -hmm. um, f way long before Frodo or even Bilbo is born, so I don't. I don't think that there would be any room for us to reprise our roles in the, in that. I think it all takes place in like the Second Age of Middle Earth, so it's like an entirely different set of characters. Um, I think some of the elves might be alive because mm -hmm. they're immortal, so that that could be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that time has probably passed. I mm -hmm. mean, it was a real fluke that they ended up writing Frodo into The Hobbit as a sort of bookend, which was a lovely thing, right? And Something I never expected. I never expected to ever revisit Middle Earth or those that character, or or, or be back in New Zealand with my Hobbit feet on again. So <laughs> it, it was a joy and, and a real gift to be able to sort of jump back into that world one more time. But I think that was probably it. I, I doubt that there's ever going to be any kind of film or TV project that would include those characters again. Yeah. Now, but I'm psyched to see what they're going to do. Yeah, me too. You know yeah. what I mean? It's and it, it feels budget. like a mantle has been passed, and I, I guess they are shooting in New Zealand. Okay, um, that's how you got to do it. Yeah, yeah. you have to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think initially they, there was some talk about shooting elsewhere, and I was like, man, you can't. <laughs> that was well established as Middle Earth. No yeah. stage. Yeah. Like it's canon. You got to shoot in New Zealand. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I know about as much as anybody else does about that, so I'm curious to see. Gotcha. Now, from doing a big franchise and then going into more artsier, independent things, 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but a lot of people tend to compare you in a parallel way to Daniel Radcliffe. Right. In the I, same way that he did it. Right. I don't know how that became a thing, but it's a thing. Well, we get we get mistaken for each other a lot, too. Mm-hmm. That happens all, crazy. all the time. Does that, that ever piss you off? No. <laughs> no. I've gotten mistaken for Tobey Maguire a bunch, too. People wow. be like, Spider-Man. I'm like, no, no. man. <laughs> No. Would you ever go after something like that? Like a like a big superhero role? Be super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not opposed to big studio movies at all. Okay. Yeah, okay. no that that kind of thing would be fun. Um I mean, look, as a as a movie fan, I think I, I feel a little fatigue because right. there's the 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 landscape is so dominated by those kinds of movies and the studios don't tend to make many risky choices and and there are, are are sort of rare examples of movies that are based on original ideas that are being made at a studio level. So that's frustrating mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of superhero fatigue. That being said, there are rad movies being made in that space that are really fun. I mean, I I loved Ragnarok. Oh man, mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah. that movie is a blast. It yeah. very much feels like a Taika film. I was going to say I feel like you could have a lot of fun in a Taika movie. Fuck yeah. 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 <laughs> Taika's the best. So, you know, working at that level with someone like him um, or with someone who's given creative license to make the kind of movie that they want to make in that space mm. would love it. Definitely. Be blast. It's fun to play with the big toys, man. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> That's really cool. On the flip side, though, uh, you mentioned A24 earlier. Yeah. Ari Aster. Oh, dude. For days. Yeah. I, I love his films. And he's a lovely human being. He's so talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a chance to to host a couple of Q&As um, during South by Southwest for Hereditary. Oh, nice. And Because um, we just happened to be in town at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was just fascinating learning about what his process was on that and how much was predetermined, how, you know, he had storyboarded a lot of the film out prior to shooting it. They ended up building the set. So that house was a build. It was entirely a, a, a set on a stage in Utah. Um just so many technical choices that were fascinating and incredible uh, from such a, a new voice. Um, I have so much respect for him. He's such a lovely guy as well. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what he does next. I was going to say, it's, it's amazing that he's had that much impact and he's literally just getting started. I know. Yeah. I mean, and, and similarly, um, um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the director of The Witch and... Robert Eggers. Ro- yes. Robert Eggers, yes. yeah. And Lighthouse. The Light- Lighthouse, too. Mm-hmm. You're like... Man, to go from the witch to A twenty four being like, we're gonna let you make the lighthouse, which yeah. is such a crazy yeah. movie, almost like a two hander play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a joy. It's a joy to see these guys, you know, getting to make the movies that they want without anybody kind of intervening. Midsommar is the same. Yeah, that you know, anywhere else, that movie would have been picked apart and yeah. not, you know, that would not have been allowed to have been as long. And mm-hmm. and it's fantastic that a movie like that exists, mm-hmm. especially on the heels of the thing I love about both of those movies actually is follow ups to to those individual. Individual films yeah. are so interesting because both set up expectations, right? You see The Witch and you see Hereditary, both exceptional movies in the genre space. And the expectation is, well, the next one's going to be more of the same or more like that. And Midsommar is such a fucking... That's a tricky movie Swear. after Hereditary. Yeah. It is not a direct horror movie. It is not like... It doesn't deliver in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome, mm-hmm. but it's a very different kind of movie. And it was a joy to be in the audience watching people watch that. Like, <laughs> how are they going to take this? <laughs> it's, it's great. It's kind of subversive. It's like this cool little Trojan horse, because that movie is really about a failed relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's great. I, I, I would love to work with those filmmakers. And that's what I was saying, like, earlier, the, the notion of, you know, is it hard to find great material now? No. And, and there are so many incredible directors that are emerging that have, like, made such a solid voice for themselves in a solid position so quickly um, because there is an embracement of this kind of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a really exciting time. And, and the Safties, too, like... Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Uncut gems, man. Yeah, what? We're, we're, we're big gems fans. Oh yeah. my god! And before that, good time too. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. exceptional filmmakers that have a very, very clear voice, um, and they're going to continue to making extraordinary films. Mm-hmm. I mean that that movie was so stressful. Yes, very <laughs> intense. I mean, they typically their their thing is stressful movies. Mm-hmm. They sort of drop you into a scenario and don't let go. Yeah. Um, Good time was the same, mm-hmm. but Uncut was was incredible. It certainly de- deserved a little bit more attention from the Academy. Oh, <laughs> like, well, again, I don't understand. Uh, as we're recording this, uh, we're days away from the Oscars, and we've just been screaming. How did you? St- what, what happened? What happened? It's so egregious yeah, that yeah, yeah. that particular. Um, Not even screenplay. I don't understand. Yeah. And they worked on that screenplay for like 10 years. That's yeah. the movie that they've been wanting to make for years, yep. and they've been making all these other films in an attempt to finally get that together, and they mm-hmm. finally did. Do you still, um, I, mean, you, I mean, you've been in that system before in regards to the Academy Awards. Do you, get, do you still ke- keep up with that stuff, or you, do you get wrapped up in that oh, at all? it's fun. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm an Academy member, so I mm-hmm. vote, and, you know, it's I, I enjoy all of that. Um, I watch every year, watch the screeners, yeah. you know. It's, yeah, it's it's fun. Can it's I, it's can I ask you a weird question? I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. Every time we, we talk about the Oscars, there's always a question of, is everybody watching everything? You're, but you're saying you're real diligent. You make sure whatever screen you get, you're, you're I'm checking I try and watch out. as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, am, I, I watch a lot of movies all year round. I, I love movies. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's important to me to catch up on these things, not just simply to, to ha- have a voice to vo- vote for them, but just because I want to see all the movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I, now, do I get through every single one every year? No, of but course, yeah. certainly make an attempt to watch them all. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's rough. We, I think the thing I want to get better at is catching the shorts. I never mm, watch the shorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I want to make a more I want to make more informed decisions on the short films every year, and I, I don't I don't pay attention to those as, as much. They've made it a little easier this year. I think they've you can watch all of the shorts on the platform, which yeah, is really that, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because um, they don't send out screeners for shorts. For shorts at all? No. Okay. Okay. It's, it's you, I, anytime at I've least I've it, not gotten them. I've, I mean, I've never heard of people having screeners for them, but I, anytime I catch a short, it's usually the company puts them on on YouTube or puts them on yeah. Vimeo or something. Yeah. Um, it, which kind of sucks. There's just a lot of amazing. There's stuff great in there, stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. And there's the animated shorts mm-hmm. are also really great. Um, and documentaries I love, and I don't always see every documentary every year either. Yeah, so I have a lot of this year. I've got a lot of catching up to do. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> Still. At the very least, this year we. Have a, a foreign film that got as far as best picture of Parasite. That that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh man, the year that Parasites had is just extraordinary, and it deserves every bit of it. it that film is masterful, man. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's such a perfect, taut film that also goes places that you don't expect it to go. One hundred percent. And the, the the filmmaking is so extraordinary. The performances are so good. It's just a joy to see a film like that extend beyond the bounds of what. You know, most people consider foreign cinema or, 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 you know, movies that you have to read subtitles for. Like, there's obviously a stigma in the U.S. Mm. for these sorts of movies. Um, You know, some people are more used to watching foreign cinema than others. Um, And for a movie like that to be a part of the larger conversation and to break down those barriers is Mm. so incredible. Definitely. Yeah. 
Now, with the trajectory that your career's had, I always have a question, you know, again, seeing you as a child, you know, because we're rough. We were born the same year, but you're eighty-one. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, was nice. born, I was born in October, though. I think you just had a birthday yep, recently. January. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Thirty-nine. What the fuck? Yeah. No. It's it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> so and, and, and I'm in here with this this guy. He looks like 90. a child. That's going to be a recurring segment on here, just me ranting about yeah. being older than everybody else. <laughs> but um, the way your career has gone, um, starting so young, do you, if you had to do it again, would you do it the same route? Would you go into it as a child and then try and figure out your way throughout? Or I don't know that I would change anything. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm so grateful to be where I am now and still working. Mm -hmm. um, I think for some, with any career really, it's a challenge to just keep at it. And with, with film in particular, and especially if you're an actor, to stay relevant to where people want to continue to hire you is not necessarily easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm so grateful to still be working and, and you know, I, I, I don't know that I would change anything. I, I, I had such incredible experiences as, as a child actor. Um, I think that that experience can be really different for a lot of people. Mm. It's not always great or yeah. pleasant. Um, mine was really awesome, and I had an incredible home life. Mm -hmm. I had a very, um, you know, my mom really instilled humility in me, and I had a very kind of, quote-unquote, normal existence outside of the context of the work I was doing as an actor. Mm -hmm. um, and I really appreciate that foundation. I think it's made it's made the rest of my life easier and uh, has certainly made for just a healthier existence. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that I would change anything. Everything kind of led to the next path. I didn't, you know, the only thing I, I suppose I didn't do, and, I, and again, I don't regret it, is I didn't, I never really looked at my career from a strategic place. Mm. Interesting. So after Rings, I didn't kind of try and attack a strategy of how I'm going to get from one big thing to another thing. Mm. I've always operated really organically, and I think the older I've gotten, the more, the more I've solidified that perspective of just following things that, that move me, and then I'm excited by, and not really thinking about strategy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it works you. for me. Yeah, credit to you, credit <laughs> to Thanks, your, your upbringing, all that stuff. That's Thank awesome. You. After that Alamo trailer thing, I gotta go rewatch Good Son. Yeah, there no, seriously. I haven't seen that in a long time. Good Son. Weirdly, Good. I saw it, like, not too long after it came out. I don't know why I saw you, that movie so early. How old were you at that point, though? I definitely saw that at, like, six or seven. Yeah, or a child. Yeah, it was 1990... Yeah. I think it was, like, 95? I think so. Yeah, I think 94, you're right. 95, yeah, yeah, around there. I definitely saw it in the theaters. Oh, no. I think it was, like, 94. 94? I, I know I saw it in theaters, and I was definitely a teenager when I went to see it. I went right. with my mom and my aunt, and uh, because they, they're big into those thrillers, you know, we went right. to see like Dolores Claiborne and things like that. Right. So uh, Dolores Claiborne, right? Love that film, but that yeah. was like that Misery was too. Oh, that's on Kathy Bates. <laughs> Kathy oh Bates, God. come on. Still the Still one of my favorite roles of hers, and one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. One hundred percent. That movie 100%. is fucking phenomenal. Oh, so disturbing. <laughs> seriously, yeah. seriously, hobbling. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, it's so brutal. So brutal. Elijah, thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Awesome. That and uh, Nightmare 3. Oh, you yeah. gotta see it gotta. again. It, dude, it's so good. It's a good film. It is so good. You know what I was watching randomly? This might have even been before we were talking about you coming in. I watched uh, 7852. Oh, the first yeah. time, and I had no idea you were in there as a talking head. Yep. It was really fun to watch. 
7852 is a documentary about Psycho? the shower scene only. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have it. I have to watch it. I, don't, I haven't watched it yet. But it's interesting because it's kind of like how Psycho is like Hitchcock's Jesus almost. Yes. Yeah, 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 like, you know, definitely. resetting. Definitely. Yeah, cool. and it's just, it's just so fascinating that, because I think it's 78, what was it, 78 shots, 52 edits? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Right. That's extraordinary. That's nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. And 78 individual shots. I mean, the construction of that is so masterful. Mm. It's amazing. And what you, what's so powerful about that scene too? It was really fun to do the, the, the interview for that because I think when we, when we initially agreed to do it because we're friends with the filmmaker, um, we're like, yeah, we'll do it. But how, how, how long can one really talk about this the one scene? scene? It's yeah. not a very long scene. What what can we add to that conversation? You know, and we sat down, and I think the block was like three or four hours. We had plenty of time, but didn't think we'd end up using it. We used all of it and could have kept talking about wow, it. Wow. Okay. And that was such a surprise to us. And the more we talked about it, the more we were sort of realizing that there was there were so many elements to it to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so influential, and there's so much that you don't actually see, but you think you're seeing. 100%. It's insane. It's got some master. Oh, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. That rear window, those were, those are the films that really opened me, opened me up to what film could be. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, he was a master. Uh, again, Come to Daddy in theaters, oh, and, on, and on VOD. That's right, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thank you, Elijah, for Yeah, thanks for having me. Really, really coming through. Really you guys are great. <laughs> what an episode. I mean, we were talking about this recently, but I think the amount of time it's taken for us to get someone of that caliber on this podcast feels relatively short. And I will say, kill that motherfucker. What's cool about him is I feel like we could have talked for another hour just about shit that he's not even no, in he, or involved with. An actual movie fan, an actual horror fan specifically. It's It's... You can, I, I think that's the coolest thing about him is the fact that he's had this success. He's been able to set up a production company and just be like, oh, you want to make some shit? Here's, here's a bag. Let's go. Let's get this popping. And, you know, hopefully we see more Mandy's yes. from his, his company and more. Hey, let's just put that energy out there. Give Elijah Wood the bag and the means to revamp a franchise yeah hope i mean freddy krueger nightmare on elm street would be amazing he seems like he has the passion for it but i but to like I, pull it off no a hundred percent a hundred percent he's he's a student of the game now he, i kind of wish he was a student of the game of hot sauce yeah so uh he had an interesting interesting rest of his morning yeah, at but, complex hq which uh you might have heard him tell on seth meyer's show I'm happy you made it. I know you got a little sidetracked today. You stopped by the Hot One studio. Oh, you heard. Yes. Yeah. Now, you did not do the full 10 wings. I didn't, no. Yeah. I was there to do a podcast. Okay. Um, but I'm a fan of the show. Yeah. And I was it's like, a great oh, show. this is where they make that. And So he came in. We did this interview in the morning. 10 a.m. Top of the morning. Yes. And then we went to a meeting. We went to a meeting. And then I think, I remember talking to Speedy in the hallway. <laughs> And we were by our kitchen area, and people are running by. And it, was, it wasn't just like, oh, one person went and grabbed something and dipped. It was like two or three people. As I'm talking to Speedy, it's Elijah Wood. I'm like, wait, I see him running back. I'm like, why is he running back? With, why is he still here? Like, yeah, it must have been like two hours later at that point. That's what it felt like. That's definitely what it felt like. I, I kind of peered and looked, and there were a bunch of people congregating towards... Our TV studio area, which is also close to our bathroom area. 
So uh, to make a long story short, what's always <laughs> funny about when when celebs come visit is that um, at this point, you know, Hot Ones is so blockbuster. Literally has a TV show. That people, you know, for whatever reason, just don't always connect the dots that um, it's a complex owned entity. Word. So they walk in, they see like the Sean billboard and the, you know, the hot sauce mm-hmm. glass case and freak out like, oh shit. And they always want to, you know, fuck around with that too while they're here. Yes. And uh, Elijah just, it, it, Seth Meyers had the best comment. He's like, <laughs> you did this to yourself without even actually going on the show. <laughs> That's the whole point is to eat the wings and be on TV. So Elijah and his boy Tim. Shouts out Tim League. We're just like lurking around, fucking with some hot one sauces. I guess they were gonna go on social. Yeah, I think the plan was to shoot it to specifically hit the timeline. Yeah, and uh, did not go well. Bodied. Didn't go down with the breakfast, right? But I'm hoping that they at least had something on their stomachs. I think they were plying them with like bread and stuff to, you know, soak up the bomb and uh, and the hot one's last dab sauce. I mean, I guess that's a good advertisement for how hot the sauce is, but. Also, don't don't get yourself bodied. Yeah, uh, and absolutely no shade for me because I don't. That's not my wave at all. Frazier doesn't <laughs> fuck with sauce at all. I don't mess with hot sauces like that. Frazier is anti sauce. You definitely would not find me by the bomb. So. <laughs> I'm I'm glad they uh they, they were able to walk out with a, with a funny story. Though. Kudos to those brave gentlemen. Jesus. Uh, shouts out Elijah, recounting the story. Yeah, hundred percent on late night TV. Um, we, we just for those that were confused, we were a the po- podcast. We Next were- time, say watch less. <laughs> I mean, maybe the bomb messed him up that bad that he just forgot the name. I don't know. But Elijah, we rock with you. Uh, thanks for coming through. Uh, and thanks-, thanks for doing that after. No, a hundred percent. Imagine if he had done that at nine thirty in the morning. He would not have had as productive and fun an interview. He would probably it, not. It would have looked like a scene from a movie he would have produced. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Um, yeah, thank again. Thanks for the, to Elijah for for coming through. Really appreciate that. Um, you can check out his podcast, Visitations. Um, he mentioned on the pod they have conversations with filmmakers about their work and what they do at their places of work or home i'm assuming um you can check that out on apple Podcasts as well as this podcast you can check us out on apple Podcasts or wherever you guys get your podcasts you can always find us at complex pop on instagram and twitter let's keep the conversation going let us know your favorite elijah wood moments let us know how far you would get on the hot ones uh chicken wing progression um for fraser i'm cal as always advising you to tune in and watch less. And for Watch Less, our producer is Taliba Newman. Our sound engineer is Craig Clayton. Mixing done by Jasmine Plata. Our editor-in-chief is Damian Scott. Our director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch Less is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 